You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 17, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome. This is take two of this particular podcast. I recorded it one time already, reviewed it, disliked it, deleted it, and so here we go again. Our topic today is time management, which I find ironic, as I have obviously mismanaged my own time with regard to this podcast, but it is all a learning process, which will be one of my primary points later in this particular presentation. So time management, what does effective time management give to us? Why is it something that we need to evaluate in our lives and make efforts to improve upon? The obvious answer is that time management improves efficiency, productivity, effectiveness. So production-based measurements can be increased with time management. When we are looking at our life and we are thinking about our wellness journey, time management, especially when you carefully match up your time management strategies with your life values and your priorities, means that we end up spending our time on those things which most enrich us and those things that lead us or that help propel us towards our larger life goals. So time management isn't just about accounting for the hours and minutes in our day, but it's also for prioritizing those things, those tasks, or those pursuits which enrich our lives. Effective time management strategies also allow us to streamline things that we don't like to do necessarily, but must be done. Things like grocery shopping, cleaning chores, managing your finances, charting, client callbacks, etc. By streamlining these tasks, we leave more of our time available for pursuing those things which do truly enrich us. We can also use information that we gleaned from habit formation to help automate tasks that repeat on a frequent basis. And again, with an automated process, we tend to reduce the total amount of time necessary to complete that process, freeing up time for us to actively pursue preferred tasks or preferred passions. As one might imagine, there isn't a lot of literature out there, or at least none that I can find, on time management specific to the veterinary world. A lot of what is out there on time management doesn't apply or is a stretch to apply to our particular profession. But keep in mind that time management isn't just about your workplace. It's also about your life and your life strategy for time management. But I did find one paper on time management for human physicians, specifically surgeons in the human medical field, which I did feel was fairly apt because it referenced and acknowledged the degree of uncertainty and the degree of flexibility required in a medical environment, which makes precise time management nearly impossible. In this study, there was recognition that improving your sense of personal schedule control to the degree that that's possible in a medical environment, was positively correlated with career satisfaction. Since career satisfaction is an enormous part of well-being, it behooves us to review what is available out there on time management and try to adapt it to the veterinary profession. 
we're good at innovation and we're good at creativity if we see a reason for it. And so I'm hoping that after today's presentation, you might see a reason to be creative about time management and see whether or not you can improve your own time management, particularly in the medical field. So what are the major time management principles that we need to take into consideration in order to come up with a system that works for us? First off, we need to clarify the outcomes that we are expecting or the outcomes that we are working towards. We will need to look at our organizational system, and then we need to look at the quality of our focused attention. How long are we able to focus for? What do we need to have in place in order to be able to focus attentively? And how do we plan to manage distractions? So these are the three categories, clarifying outcomes, organization, and focused attention. For clarifying outcomes on the meta level, this is looking at our goals and our values. So we've already had podcasts about these topics, but having those firmly in mind as you begin to work on your time management system will help you prioritize those tasks that propel you towards those overarching goals. Clarifying your expected outcomes also helps with motivation. If you know exactly what you want to achieve with any given project, you are much more motivated to complete that project or to work on that project because you have that defined endpoint. With motivation, goals, priorities, etc., you do have to be realistic and you have to create an actionable plan. In the working environment, that has to apply to your staff as well as to yourself. It's one thing to come up with something that you feel is realistic, but if your staff members aren't on board, it's not going to work. Specific task outcomes are also important to look at. And two ways to make sure that that outcome is clearly defined is to ask yourself, how will I know when I am done? And this can be a protective factor against perfectionism. If you start out ahead of time saying it will be done when X, Y, and Z are complete, you're less likely to spend time trying to perfect it if you've already met that benchmark that you described previously. And then the other factor that again ties into that perfectionism check is how will I know I've done a good job? This can be particularly important if you're delegating tasks. Clearly communicating the endpoint as well as the quality that you're expecting will prevent you from repeating tasks, which is a huge time sink. Organization is something that we often consider to be an inborn trait. Somebody is organized or they're disorganized. And while there are certainly some who appreciate and delight in organization, if you are not one of them, you can still be capable of organization, even if you don't enjoy it. You will simply have to treat it as a skill necessary to develop rather than an inborn tendency. Organization should be able to accomplish the following items. It should allow you to generate tasks or to generate a to-do list and break down a larger project into its component parts for task generation. Organization will include scheduling and prioritizing these tasks. It will include assembling the materials necessary to complete the tasks, and then protecting and optimizing your time such that task completion is possible. Quality of focused attention includes managing distractions and also managing procrastination. So we have these areas that we need to address in order to have a successful time management system. And as you begin to set up your own personalized system, one tool that I have found very helpful, even if you're not writing it out longhand, but just considering it in your head, is the Eisenhower Matrix. 
the matrix provides an excellent system for assessing the value and priority of any given task that you are being asked to complete or that you want to complete for yourself. Imagine a square divided into four quadrants. One axis is priority, the other is importance. One of those quadrants includes tasks that are both important and urgent. And these are obviously the ones that you would want to do first. So these are our deadlines, our crises in the work environment. These are our emergencies. Everything else gets dropped in favor of the urgent and the important. The next quadrant is important but not urgent. And this category is the one that we neglect the most. This is fitness, this is family relationships, financial planning, self care, and then long term strategic thinking about our goals, our values, our priorities. So these are the things that we consistently sacrifice in order to take care of tasks that we classify as urgent. We have to be careful about neglecting this category because remember, this is in our important portion of the matrix. The following quadrant is urgent, but not important. And this quadrant is where we get into trouble with the demands of other people or our ability to be distracted by things that feel urgent, but aren't really important for our values, for our goals, or even for our workflow. So this is feeling the need to pick up your phone every time it dings, chimes, or rings. And if you are a parent and you have a kid in childcare, You certainly may want to be good about answering your phone if it rings, but every single buzz for incoming email, every single text message alert, those are distractions that can be categorized as urgent because they are happening now, but they are rarely important enough to draw you away from a value-driven task. Categorizing something as important or not important can be tricky, and that's where your values work comes in. What is important to you? What isn't important to you? And the other thing that can be tricky is if your version of importance doesn't match up with your work culture's version of importance. And so that can be a point of stress if you feel as though you are constantly being bombarded with tasks or requests that don't match up with your priorities. That may be something that you need to work with management on to get on the same page so that you feel you can be effective and that you can feel supported by your staff and that you can support your staff as well. Listen to what their priorities and aims are and see where you can help. The final category is not urgent and not important. And it's hard for us to classify anything as having no importance and no urgency. So think of this at least as relative urgency and relative importance. Many times these tasks can be written off entirely. They don't actually need to be done. They are not important. Or at the very least, they are not as important as your category two, the important but not urgent. So if nothing else, make sure self-care comes before these items. In general, if you think about these four quadrants as the sum of your time choices in your life, What quadrant do you want to spend most of your time in? I will be including a diagram of the Eisenhower matrix in your handout, so you can review it at your leisure. Moving on to the organizational structure that you're looking for, one tool that I have found delightful is the bullet journal, and I will probably spend more time on this at some later date. But in short, I appreciate the ability to keep my calendar, my to-do list, my project lists, and important information all organized in one place that is not on my phone and in a format that I find most useful. There are so many apps out there. There are so many planners, schedulers, systems 
that really you just need to find something that works well for you, then commit to that system and make time to reference or update your organizational strategy on a daily basis. Looking at the intentional use of focused effort and attention, there are a number of systems out there designed to help you focus, and some of them rely on using an actual timer to hold you accountable for the period of time you plan to focus. And what we are most trying to protect ourselves from are interruptions by other people. So this requires communication to make sure that others know that this time is protected. So communication strategies. And the other thing we're trying to protect ourselves from is distractions that we allow. And oftentimes these are technological distractions. Our phone beeps, blips, buzzes, whatever, and we pick it up. Or we decide to look at the email that just came in instead of focusing on the task that we had decided ahead of time we were going to be doing. One study determined that 52 minutes was the optimal focused attention time span. And so that system is called 5217. You focus exclusively for 52 minutes, no interruptions, no deviation from your task. Then you give yourself a 17 minute break. Obviously, this is not going to be functional in a veterinary environment, but there may be aspects of home life where this tactic could be employed. For instance, if you do any charting at home, Charting could be done on this timer system. Research related to work could be done on this timer system. Paying bills, sorting email, budgeting tasks, those desk work type tasks that can be clumped together and then monitored. Administrative tasks related to vet med if you are in a management position or an owner status. Even cleaning or household tasks, setting a timer and focusing. Committing to the predetermined time frame as well as having a clearly defined task and task outcome will improve the efficacy of this method. So the next one that I want to talk about is a similar strategy. It's called the Pomodoro Technique, which is Italian for tomato. The name comes from the specific tomato-shaped timer that the originator used to develop it. It asks you to focus on work for 25 minutes, take a five-minute break, times four, and then you get a longer break. So shorter bursts of intense activity. Eat that frog. You've probably heard that phrase or maybe even read the book. The premise of this philosophy is that you want to do the least desirable task first on any given day at any given chunk of time as getting that negative thing done or that perceived negative thing done will give you a boost and help propel you through the remainder of your day as well as preventing procrastination because disliking something that we are about to do can often provide a wonderful excuse for not doing it. One of the final ways of using or of focusing our attention and effort is to use the time blocking system. And in this system, you designate a certain time of day for each task that you want to complete. And when that time is up, you don't get to work on that task anymore. So it becomes very motivating to complete the task in the designated time slot, or else you have to wait to the next day to work on it again. This does require a very realistic approach to the amount of time that a particular task will take. It can be a good training program, as well as an effective time management strategy. So let's say you've reviewed these elements, how to focus your attention, how to organize, and how to prioritize your tasks, and you've come up with what you feel is a good time management strategy. How do you implement it? The first and most important element is to commit to whatever plan you have designed. Just like an exercise or a nutrition plan, 
There are many, many different ways to do something. And if you commit to any one of those ways, you will often get results. Where we fall down sometimes is if we try to change our system on the fly on a day-to-day basis, then we never fall into a rhythm and we're never committed to any one strategy long enough to gather true information about its effectiveness. As you're designing a strategy, also decide on how many days ahead of time you're willing to commit without changing your plan in order to see what its results are going to be. So a week or two weeks and then reevaluate. If we're trying something and it's not working, we do want to adjust and gather feedback. However, resistance to change needs to be taken into account, and we have to overcome that resistance before we can be sure that the change is or is not actually working for us. Finally, especially in a period of change, ensuring that you have adequate sleep and are taking care of your body can be important particularly as this can affect your ability to focus your attention and will also play in to the amount of energy you bring to this new challenge. So taking care of sleep, taking care of overall health parameters will make a big difference as you try to adjust the way that you handle your time or the way that you manage your time. Some of the more common pitfalls, things that will come up or may come up for you as you adjust systems or things that you may be noticing already that prompt you to start or to develop a system include lack of agreement or clarity around your values and goals. It makes it difficult to prioritize tasks, which leads often to a almost a a whack-a-mole approach to getting things done. You simply address that which grabs your attention rather than having an overall strategy for how to organize and prioritize tasks. Lacking clarity regarding measurable outcomes can have a similar effect. If you don't know what exactly it is that you're aiming for, you won't know when to stop or how to adjust course if you find that you're getting off track. Perfectionism can be its own pitfall. It can hinder your ability to delegate as you feel protective about tasks and about their outcome, and it can make you overinvest in tasks in a way that is disproportionate to their importance. The pull to fall back into old habits and routines is very strong, and that's where having a clearly defined program with a commitment to a specific period of time can be enormously helpful. Multitasking and task switching as an attempt to save time is a misnomer for the most part. We will probably come back and address that at a later date and do an entire podcast on multitasking. There's a lot of interesting research regarding how our brains handle our attempts to divide our attention. And then, of course, the biggest pitfall of all is procrastination. And I feel that procrastination deserves its own podcast. And in the spirit of procrastination, it will be delayed until the first week of September. I want to send a special shout out this week to any parents who are facing the back to school challenge. Don't let anyone tell you that your strategy or the way that you're handling it is wrong or could be done better. This is an enormously difficult challenge to approach as you are trying to balance welfare of your children, both mental as well as physical, balancing work obligations, looking at available options within your particular school system. So there is no right way. There is no real wrong way. If you love your kids and you're doing your best, that's all anyone can ask. So be kind to yourself and remember that no matter how hard you try, you cannot build a sandcastle out of a pile of manure. So take care and we will talk next week. 
This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in next week for a look at procrastination.